Welcome to the serialized audiobook Nocturnal by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler, performed by Phil Giganti. This novel contains adult situations, violence, and is meant for mature audiences. Nocturnal is available in print, ebook, and unabridged ad free audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash nocturnal. Chapter 43. Pedal to the Metal. Adam wasn't driving like a grandfather anymore. He didn't seem to give a shit about other cars, the Magnum's finish, traffic lights, or even pedestrians. A few days ago, this kind of driving would have made Brian want to throw Adam's ass in jail. Now he wished Adam could be even more reckless, cut off a few more cars, drive just a little faster. Aggie was still handcuffed to the front passenger seat door. The guy spent most of his time staring at the handcuffs. Adam raced the souped-up Magnum down 21st Street, moving it into the left lane to pass whenever the opportunity presented itself. The engine's roar echoed off the buildings on either side, playing off the tinny squawk of a police radio mounted in the dash. The Magnum hit a pothole. Brian flinched from a deep sting in his gums. Brian, Alder said, sit still. I'm crying. Brian said, or at least he tried to say it. He wasn't sure what words actually came out of his wide-open mouth. Alder sat next to Brian in the rear seat. He had to stitch Brian's torn gums together before he moved on to the ripped cheek. Blood covered the old man's surgical gloves. There might be more action coming. Alder had wanted to stop so he could fix Brian's wounds. Brian told the old man to do the work en route. Every bump in the road... Every swerve or sudden breaking brought more pain from the needle, but Brian didn't care. One more, Alder said. He leaned in, then pulled the needle back. Done. Now for the cheek. Then we have to do the collarbone. It will refuse in the next fifteen minutes or so. If it heals wrong, we'll just have to re-break it anyway. Alder opened a kit mounted in the back of the front passenger seat. He pulled out a device Brian didn't recognize and started prepping it. Hey, cop! Adam called from the front seat. Bad news. Police band just said there's a bolo out for you. They're saying you killed those two SWAT guys. That dirty bitch. Zhao wanted Brian so bad she'd instantly framed him for the murder of two men. Every cop in the city would be gunning for him. His brief moment of believing Amy Zhao was doing the right thing. Brian had been a fool and now everyone was paying the price for it. He closed his eyes, tried to manage the pain radiating through his body. The coat had stopped at the shotgun slugs, but like Adam had warned, it didn't stop all of the kinetic energy. Brian's back throbbed. His right arm hurt almost as bad as his left. He tried to store up the pain, file it away. He'd return it with interest when he got his hands on Rex to Pravdachuk. Brian's phone buzzed. A text. The message made his chest lock up. Robin Hudson. Someone is in my apartment. Came in on fire escape. Please hurry. He started to dial her number, then stopped. She'd texted, not called, which meant she didn't want to make any noise. What if he called and she didn't have her phone on vibrate? Adam, how long? Five minutes. The younger Jessup called back. Brian texted, 
Hang tight. I'm almost there. Alder finished prepping. Now Brian recognized the device. A power stapler. Brian turned his head, offering up his torn cheek, and let Alder get to work. Chapter 44 Dogfight Robin hissed through clenched teeth. Max, put it down! Big Max held an aluminum baseball bat in his left hand. In his right hand, he held a thick leash attached to the thick collar surrounding his pit bull's thick neck. Every muscle in Billy's taut body seemed to vibrate. He'd picked up on his master's agitation and was ready to follow Max into any fight. At least the dogs had kept quiet. Robin, come on, Max said in a hissing whisper. You're a cop. You can't let these assholes break into your place. I'm just a medical examiner. Please, this isn't some meth head. These people are really dangerous. Max's muscles twitched just like his dog's. He wanted to mix it up in the worst possible way. He tensed for a second, then sighed. Fine. You're right. I hope Brian gets here quick. Robin nodded. Brian would be there any second. She had one arm around Emma, trying to keep her baby on the couch. She felt Emma suddenly stiffen. The dog started to growl. Emma stared at Max's front door, the one that led out into the hallway. A ridge of fur stood up on her back like a furry black fin. Billy started growling, too. He leaned toward the door. Then Robin smelled it, coming from the door, from out in the hall, faint but unmistakable, the smell of urine. Robin reached into her purse and pulled out her gun. She held the subcompact three eighty in her right hand. Emma's collar in her left. Someone was out there. One of Marie's children. The Zed chromosome people. Max looped Billy's leash around a heavy wooden chair. Two big steps took Max to the front door. She tried to say, Max, but no words would come out. He held the baseball bat in both hands as he leaned forward to look out the peephole. The door smashed inward, knocking Max to the floor. Through the door stepped a man covered in a rancid blue and green striped blanket. He had a huge head. The forehead alone was two feet wide and misshapen by lumpy, gnarled skin. Beady black eyes beneath that forehead stared right through her. He's one of them. He's got the Z chromosome. He's going to kill me. Dogs barking. The sound of a wooden chair scraping across the floor an inch at a time. In his right hand, the intruder held a boxy weapon that had a long magazine sticking out of the handle. He glanced down at his left hand. It held a piece of paper. He looked at the paper, then back up at her. He stuffed the paper somewhere inside his blanket. Then he smiled. Shoot him! Shoot him! Shoot him! Echoed in her head, but she couldn't move. The big head walked into the apartment, stepping over Max, reaching. Grabbing, iron-hard fingers suddenly digging into her shoulders. A flash of white and black. Emma's teeth locked down on the man's thick thigh. The dog shook her head like a wild thing, putting all of her weight and muscle into it, yanking even as blood sprayed across her snarling muzzle. The man's beady eyes widened in surprise and pain. 
He let go of Robin and swung the butt of his weapon hard into Emma's face. She flew across the room, yelping. Robin raised her pistol and fired three times before she even registered the motion. The big-headed man flinched away, covering his face with his arms. A flash of metal arcing through the air and a ringing thunk. The big-headed man crumpled forward, hands moving from his face to the back of his head. Behind him stood Max, baseball bat in hand. Billy kept lurching at his leash and barking madly, trying to pull free as the chair holding him back scooted a little closer. A sound of clinking metal, then a crack of electricity. Max contorted so hard his head snapped back. The bat flew out of his hand. He dropped to the ground. Behind him stood a raven-haired woman, a stunning, strange image. She held a chain in each hand, one set of links on the floor in front of her, another set trailing behind. Robin registered knee-high boots, vinyl pants, and a cut-off raider's sweatshirt that revealed a slim stomach. A brown cape, no, not a cape, it was another dirty blanket, hung from her neck. Billy lurched again, dragging the chair closer. Robin raised her weapon to fire, but the woman flicked a wrist. Robin didn't see the chain move, just felt an electric zing in her hand that made her jerk away, throw herself back against the couch. Her hand and arm felt like they were on fire. The gun was gone. The black-haired woman smiled and walked forward. The big-headed man stood up, rubbing the back of his head. The woman looked at him and laughed. <laughs> he did a number on you. Shut up, the big-headed man said. I'll fix him. He reached down and grabbed Max, who had curled into a fetal position. He flipped Max onto his back, grabbed Max's wrists, and held them to the ground. Max opened his eyes and saw what was over him. He struggled, but from the first second it was clear his strength was no match. Billy roared like a demon. The chair squeaked against the wood floor. The big man raised his big head, leaning back until his neck muscles popped out like flesh-covered cables. Robin leaned forward to push off the couch and stop the man, but the black-haired woman snap-kicked. The boot smashed into Robin's mouth, driving her back into the couch again. The world wavered. Robin's body felt numb and unresponsive, but she could still see. The man slammed his big head forward in a lethal blur. Max's face vanished in a crunching splash of red and gray, like someone had hit a watermelon with a bowling ball. Robin knew she was screaming, but she wasn't controlling it. It was someone else. Someone still there, because she wasn't really there. Couldn't be there. Couldn't have just seen Max die like that. A final screech of wood accompanied by the sound of a chair hitting the floor. Billy the pit bull lunged, locked his massive jaws on the back of Big Head's neck. The man let out a scream that sounded like it belonged to a little girl. He fell face down in the gore of Max's blood and brains, flailing at the back of his head and neck. John Smith was as afraid as he'd ever been. He thought he might puke at any moment. 
He had to force himself to watch the road ahead and not look up at the windows of the passing buildings. There are no snipers up there. There are no snipers. And even if there were, he had to go anyway. The text message had seen to that. Brian Clouser. Marie's children have pooks. Get to Robin's now. John saw Robin's place coming up on the right. He pulled in the clutch and squeezed the brake as he downshifted. A flare of headlights suddenly blinded him as a car cut over from the left lane, tires screeching. John angled his Harley up onto the sidewalk, barely avoiding the collision. He righted the bike, hopped off, and dropped the kickstand in one smooth motion. He ripped off his helmet and drew his Sig Sauer. The car was a black station wagon. The rear passenger door opened. A man lurched out, clearly hampered by pain. Brian? Clouser looked like a completely different person. It wasn't just because of the black peacoat and the skullcap. A makeshift rifle strap sling held his left arm against his body. A line of metal staples covered a ragged wound from his left upper lip down to the base of his jaw. He held a flat black sidearm in his right hand. His green eyes burned with a focused rage that promised very bad things to anyone who got in his way. A high-pitched scream came from Robin's building. Brian ran to the apartment building's front door, a classic San Francisco-style door of glass and wood, fronted with a black wrought-iron grate. Without slowing, Brian kicked out with the flat of his right foot. The iron grate bent, glass shattered, and the whole thing flew inward, hinges tearing free from old wood. The ruined door skidded across the Spanish tile floor, glass pieces skittering in all directions. Brian sprinted for the stairs and started taking them three at a time. John ran after him. Island in Frigid Lake Superior. A fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Billy yanked and lurched pulling at the man's shredded neck like he was trying to tear the head right off. Sparky! The man cried out. Help me! The woman stepped up and snap-kicked Billy's hips. Billy yelped, his rear legs spinning away, but his teeth stayed clamped on the back of the big man's neck. The raven-haired woman was laughing. Robin's eyes shot to a spot on the floor. Her gun. She meant to dive for it, but her sluggish legs gave out as she came off the couch. Robin tumbled to the hardwood floor, then urged her unresponsive body forward. She reached for the pistol. The big-headed man stood, Billy's jaws still locked on his neck. The dog's rear legs flopped limply. He made a sad, hateful sound that combined a deep growl and a long yelp of pain. Robin reached out. Her hand closed on the gun. As she started to sit up, the man turned sharply, screaming, twisting, trying to aim his semi-automatic behind him. Robin recognized the weapon, a Mac-10. The black-haired woman raised a hand in an instinctive warning gesture. Bonehead, don't! The Mac-10 stuttered. 
Robin felt something sting the left side of her neck and slam against her chest and right shoulder. She fell to her back, stunned. As he cleared the third floor landing, Brian heard the growls of a dog and the screams of a person. He shot down the hall toward Robin's apartment, and the sound changed. The growl became a pitiful yelp of dog shock and pain. Brian smelled urine. Just before he entered the apartment, he felt the bada-bum-bum that marked one of the monsters. Five sevens in hand, Brian turned left into the open apartment door. His eyes caught many things all at once. A man with a big head shooting a Mac-10 madly, trying to hit a pit bull dangling from the back of his neck. A big body that could only be Max lying on the floor. His head smashed in like a bloody, broken, hard-boiled egg. A woman with long, thick black hair and a blanket around her shoulders, her hand reaching back. And to his right, Robin. Robin on her back, her chest and shoulder red with blood. Brian heard a crack and felt a massive shock as something hit his arm. His body lurched away of its own accord. He landed hard on his right hip. Another Mac-10 stutter, a short yelp, then no more growl. He saw the black-haired woman move, saw her whipping a chain. The metal rang as it shot forward in a blur toward Brian's chest. He turned and ducked. The chain hit his face. Then a bright flash and a crack as numbing pain engulfed his body. Brian cried out, tried to roll away, but strong hands grabbed his shoulders and slammed his back into the floor hard enough to crack wood. Stunned, Brian looked up to see a man with a forehead two feet wide, the gnarled skin smeared with blood, bits of bone, and some grayish clumps that were probably Max's brains. The electric shock seemed to reverberate through his body. His muscles wouldn't respond fast enough. The man reared back and lifted his head high. He snarled. He gunshots from Brian's right. A fast and steady pop, 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 pop click that made the big-headed man twitch, lurch, fall away to the floor on Brian's left. Brian looked to his right. Robin, lying on her left side, right arm extended and a gun in hand. She had just saved his life. The chain flew across the apartment and cracked into Robin's hand with a bright spark. Her hand jerked away, sending the gun flying. Fuck this, the black-haired woman said. She moved the chains to hold them both in her left hand. Her right hand reached into her blanket and drew a glock, which she aimed at Robin. Time moved like it was dragging through hot asphalt. Brian raised his left hand, felt the rifle strap sling tearing away felt his collarbone snap again. He was already bending his hand up to shoot the blade mounted along the underside of his forearm, but he wasn't fast enough. He wouldn't be able to. Gunfire from behind him brought the world crashing back to fast-forward speed. Brian saw a splash of blood on the black-haired woman's right cheek, another on her right shoulder. Then she was turning away, her blanket spinning out behind her, making her seem twice as large. She sprinted to the wall and dove through the window broken wood and shattering glass following her out into the night beyond. She was gone. Brian, you okay? John Smith, standing in the entryway, dropping an empty magazine from his pistol and loading a fresh one. 
movement on Brian's left. The big-headed creature, already recovering, standing up, lifting the Mac-10 toward John. Brian's extended left hand hung in the air. It was the tiniest thing to point it at the man and flick the hand up. A metallic cring sounded as the blade shot out. Six inches of titanium slid into the man's neck, tronked home as barbs dug in, making the blade stick. Eyes wide, the man stumbled to his right, but his foot wouldn't hold his weight. He collapsed like a big bag of bones, blood spraying out of his neck in high arcing bursts. John stepped forward and pointed his gun at the man's chest. Stay down! Don't fucking move! Brian scrambled to Robin's side. She rolled to her back just as he reached her. He slid his right arm under her neck, lifting her gently. Blood gushed out of the left side of her neck. He pressed his hand hard against the wound. A growing bloodstain spread across her chest. He slid a hand behind her back and felt wetness. The bullet had gone through her right lung. John, call a fucking ambulance! The direct pressure to her neck didn't stop the bleeding. The wound continued to pulse blood from under his hand and between his fingers. He'd seen wounds like this before. An ambulance would take ten minutes or more to get here. Robin didn't have ten minutes. Maybe I'm wrong. Please let me be wrong. Brian, she said, her voice quiet and resigned. She knew. They both knew. I'm sorry, he said. I'm so sorry. She shook her head slowly, once to the left, once to the right. Not your fault. Where's... is my girl? John, get the dog. Brian stared down at Robin. Why had it taken him so long to realize what she meant to him? Please, don't die. She coughed. Blood sprayed out of her mouth and onto her chin. Her eyes closed tight as waves of pain ripped through her body. Then she opened them. Brian, I love you. I love you, he said. I always have. I always will. Her bloody lips smiled. Somehow that made it even worse. It opened the floodgates of emotion that had been blocked by the adrenaline. Tears filled his eyes, blurring her a little. She reached up and wiped them away. Tears? She said. From you? Nice timing, champ. You got that in just under the wire. John stood over them, cradling a whimpering Emma. The left side of her face was a sheet of blood. Only now did Robin look scared. Oh, God, is she... Cut on ahead is all, John said quickly. She'll be okay. He knelt down and set the wounded dog in Robin's lap. Now Robin smiled at John. She reached up and touched his cheek, her fingers tracing a line of her own blood on his dark skin. Looks like you're not afraid to be a cop anymore. John said nothing. Tears trickled down his face. Robin turned her attention to Emma. The dog lifted her torn head and licked Robin's face. Emma's blood dripped down to Robin's chest, 
indiscernible against Robin's own blood. It's okay, baby, Robin said. It's okay. But it wasn't okay. Robin looked up at Brian, Emma's tongue still dancing on her face. Brian, she's all I have. You take her. You love her. Brian nodded. He wanted to talk, but he couldn't. His throat locked up tight. She reached up to him again, her cold fingertips tracing the shape of his eye. Do you promise? Brian nodded again. Robin sagged in his arms. Her eyes didn't close, not like in the movies, but he saw the life in them fade, then vanish forever. She was gone. Chapter 45 all the teeth. A hand gently pulled at his shoulder. Brian, we have to go. Brian ignored John. He cradled Robin closer. He should have never let her out of his sight. He couldn't handle the whiplash of emotions. Fury, blind hatred, a crippling sensation of loss, the desire to punish, to kill. She was gone. He couldn't move, couldn't do anything other than to gently rock her body. Brian, I'm so sorry, but we have to go. You're wanted for murder. Get up! Brian shook his head. I don't want to go. I want to be with her. Now a hand on each shoulder, lifting him. Brian, she's gone. Everyone thinks you killed two cops. They're going to shoot as soon as they see you. Get up! Dead. Robin was dead. He would make them pay for this. Not an eye for an eye. Not a tooth for a tooth. All the eyes. All the teeth. Brian leaned in and kissed Robin's forehead one last time. His lips stayed there. Pulling away was the hardest thing he had ever done. He gently set her down. Then he stood. He looked across the floor at the three other corpses. Max, who hadn't done anything wrong. The big-headed member of Marie's children. And Billy, broken and shot as he tried to avenge his master's death. Blood continued to spread across the hardwood. John, get Emma. Brian, we don't have time to- Get the fucking dog! John leaned back a little scared. Brian didn't give a shit. He wasn't about to ignore Robin's final wish. John ran to the sink and grabbed a dish towel. He placed it over Emma's torn face and scooped her up. Emma yelped horribly, then tried to get away, tried to lurch toward Robin's body. Shh, John said. He squeezed the dog tighter. Brian, I'm leaving. Hurry. John ran out of the apartment. After all the noise and chaos, now there was only silence. Brian took a final look at the love of his life. All the eyes, he said. All the teeth. He walked out of the apartment.
You have been listening to Nocturnal by Scott Sigler, performed by Phil Giganti, produced by Empty Set Entertainment. The Nocturnal audiobook was directed and engineered by Corey Young. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.